So, uh, warm welcome. How are we doing? It's kind of hard to sort of reply when there's so many of us here. I was just contemplating there as I'm kind of getting myself organized and ready. And I was just thinking, it's kind of quite a, I don't know, you ever stop to think about it? It's like we kind of get out of our beds a bit later on a Sunday. We rock up. We sit in a school hall to do this. And we all come, don't we? We all come for different reasons. There's different drivers, different motivations, different reasons for being here or whatever it might be. And we've all come with our own stories as well. We come with, our, uh, with the week that we've had. And there will be no week the same amongst us. There will be shared experiences. If you've come with someone or you come with a family and... Uh, you know, you come this morning and there's all kinds of stuff racing through your head. And even as we're trying to worship, you know, I know for me sometimes as I'm trying to focus my attention on God, it's like there's so many other things kind of swirling around or kind of come in when I'm really wanting to focus. And I, I guess, I don't know really what this rambling's about except to say we're here. And we're here because we, we want to encounter the living God. And He is the living God. It's not... This, oh, this story that we read about in the book called the Bible that was written many years ago, it's actually an experience within that's changed us for those of us who know Jesus. And for those who don't yet know Jesus, it's, it's, there's some sort of intrigue, there's some sort of driver again that's motivating you or has brought you here this morning. And we use many phrases in, in the church which really kind of help encapsulate certain things that we think are important and we hold dear. And one of the phrases that you'll have heard us say, if you've been coming for any time, is uh, that when Jesus shows up, everything changes. When Jesus shows up in our lives, everything changes. And many of you who know Jesus, you'll know that that to be true. When Jesus shows up, he has the power to heal. When Jesus shows up, uh, suddenly we become emotional on the inside because the Holy Spirit, who reveals the Father and the Son to us, is doing something on the inside. When Jesus shows up, uh, he resources us and gives us what we need to sustain us. When Jesus shows up, it has the ability and the power to restore a broken relationship. When Jesus shows up, that what seems impossible now becomes possible. When Jesus shows up, he empowers us to serve. When he shows up, he empowers us to go do the very thing that we were made to do. But it's only through the person of Jesus as we encounter him that has the power to change us on the inside. I spoke a number of weeks ago, I think it was during the summer holidays, about Jesus being the bread of life. And that he is the one who feeds us. He is the one who sustains us. He is the one who empowers us. And as we encounter him, he changes us and gives us all that we need for life. We, uh, this is a long-winded introduction to our series starting today. Today and over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about encounters with Jesus. And we're taking uh, New Testament from the Gospels, uh, encounters that living people had with the living Jesus. We're going to take each story each week, we're going to read it through, we're going to unpack it, and then we're going to try and tease out of it or take out of it what we think is relevant for us 
for our lives today. And as we began to sort of research this and I began to kind of go through the Gospels and kind of select, oh, that's a good one, that's a good one, that's a good one, I thought someone else is bound to have done this. So I googled Encounters with Jesus, find a brilliant book by Tim Keller. Uh, so I bought the book and, uh, and he has uh, conveniently 10 encounters, which is about the number of weeks that we needed to fill. So uh, I credit most, and it's important that we do that because you'll obviously think the good bits of this is Tim Keller and the kind of naff bits are me making it up as I go along. So uh, that's the credit due, should Tim Keller ever listen to the podcast anywhere in the world. By the way, this is very exciting, got me excited anyway. We can tell, isn't that amazing, where podcasts are being listened to what part of the world they are, and apparently someone has downloaded a podcast from America. We think it might be Mark Surgeon on one of his trips, but, but nonetheless, it's exciting. But what excites me even more is someone from New Zealand has, has downloaded our podcast, and I'm just, I'm just waiting for the invitation. I'm just waiting for that, and if I do go, I won't be returning. Um, you might be glad about that. Anyway... So here we are. Let's put some context. We're going to read in a few minutes or a couple of minutes from uh, the Gospel of John. We'll be looking at chapter 1. But I want to put it into some sort of context before we look at it. And before we look at the encounter is with a man called Nathaniel. Okay? And uh, Nathaniel in this whole encounter addresses the big questions in life. The big questions that regardless if you're a believer or not... I would say most people think about at some point in their lives. Who am I? Where have I come from? Where am I going? What's this all about? Those big, 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 big questions. And uh, that's a bit of a plug as well for our Alpha course, which you're going to hear a lot more about next week and the following week as well. And maybe some of you have seen Bear in the window. And if you're not quite sure what that is, you'll, you'll soon see. But so where am I going? The encounter Jesus has with Nathaniel is at the end of chapter 1 of John's God, John chapter 1. And the beginning of it is called the prologue. The prologue meaning the before bit. And John is really skillful and really clever in the way in which John writes. Because he uses some Greek words to really help explain and introduce the person of Jesus. You see, um, at that time, the universe, the Greek people, who were the, the people that kind of set the, the, the meaning of the day or the, the philosophy of the day, um, they thought that the universe had a rational and moral order to it. And they gave it this word, it's called logos. logos. And John the Gospel writer deliberately uses this Greek term logos and says it about the person of Jesus. He says this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He's referencing right back to the very beginning of Genesis, the prologue. And now, in the New Testament, in the New Order, in the New Covenant, he's referring back, and he's saying this actually about the person of Jesus. Through him... Jesus, all things were made. Without him, again, it's a person. It's not a philosophy. It's not an order. It's a person. Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The word, that logos, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And this statement would have fallen like, like this thunderbolt in amongst Greek thinking, in their way of understanding of the term of logos. And this, this whole phrase that John skillfully writes about, meaning it's not about living a certain way or having some sort of understanding. It's, it comes in the person of Jesus, who comes as the logos. And then what John brilliantly does is he not only talks about this, this way of life, this meaning of life, he makes it incredibly personal through the person of Jesus and then introduces Jesus' followers. And so the next few verses, which we're going to read about now, is about people, how Jesus called his early disciples to come follow him. And so Andrew and Simon Peter, they're already there. And the next two that Jesus calls are Philip and Nathaniel. And Philip and Nathaniel, like that, they would have been uh, disciples of John, John the Baptist. And uh, they would have been, uh, potentially they would have been students. They would have been uh, learning and uh, understanding the scriptures. But also they would be very expectant of the Messiah, Jesus, who was promised and who was to come. Here is the encounter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus has already recruited Andrew and Philip, and now it's Philip and Nathaniel's time. And he invites them, and he invites Philip, and he says, follow me. And we assume Philip says yes, because then he goes to his mate Nathaniel, which is very often what happens, isn't it? Someone comes to know Jesus and they're like, oh my goodness, this, this really is true. This really is real. This really is a relationship that I can have. And it's usually that person is the most effective person to go to all their other friends and say, come follow me. Come find out about this guy, Jesus. Come find out about him. It was written about in the Old Testament. It was the one that Moses wrote about. It's where the prophets prophesied and said, he is to come. And so he's intrigued, he's a student, he's a learner, he's, he's expectant of the Messiah. And what his response to Philip um, is, is he says this, and I think he says it in this tone, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Give me a town, Northern Ireland. Larn, I knew Larn would come up. Larn, yay. Larn. <laughs> Anything good come from there? 
Who else have we got? Annie. She's good. Yeah, she's all right. <laughs> she's all right. They're moving, though. <laughs> Back to England, of all places. Oh, they're not. Oh, they're not. Oh, no. Bala money. Can anything good come from there? Leanne's here. I know. We have a guest. Let's insult our guest from Balamani, who's moved to Lawn. <laughs> Who would have known? My goodness. Aren't we horrible? I know it's funny, right? I know then this is fun, right? But we can be like that, can't we? We can say that about places. And we can say that about people. And so often, actually, in the world in which we live in, in trying to elevate ourselves, what we often do is we put other people down. The playground is a horrible place, isn't it? Those of us who remember it, in jockeying for position, in trying to find oneself, very often other people put other people down to elevate themselves. But the playground still can exist, can't it? And in this passage we read, Nathaniel, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Can the answers to our big questions really come from... Can the prophets and what was spoken about, is, is that really the place? Is Jesus, the, 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 the carpenter's son, Joseph's son, can he really be the one? Again, let's remember, he is a man who is seeking after the Messiah. He is expectant and he is open to this as a possibility. Come and see. So Nathaniel, together with Philip, head towards Jesus. When Jesus sees them coming, he says to Nathaniel, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Why does Jesus say that about him? Nathaniel asks, How do you know me? He says, I saw you. I saw you, Nathaniel. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you and said, come. I saw you. You were underneath the fig tree. How do we begin to explain what's happening here? Because here's the thing. I was thinking about this during the week as I was kind of preparing. Because there's loads of stuff we read in the Bible, right? And we're like, what does that mean? And sometimes if we're honest, we can make things in the Bible to mean what we want them to mean. Isn't that right? And sometimes it's really obvious. It's like, yeah, that is what it means. And actually, we can dig around and we can read around and it explains what it means. And that's great. There's sometimes, I'm just being honest, and maybe this is wrong, I don't know. Maybe there's, some, there's just some things in the Bible you read and it's like, I just still don't know what that means. <laughs> if there's anyone here who knows what everything means in the book, let me know, because that will be good. But there's lots of stuff also in the Bible that we read and we can have a really good go at interpreting what we read. And some people differ, don't they, on what is written. So I'm saying that, that's the prologue. That's a great, great word, isn't it? As to what I'm about to say. This is what it could mean and what we think possibly it could mean and what was actually happening in 
this biblical text. The key to unlocking the mystery here when Jesus reference to the fig tree is that the fig tree has some symbolic uh, significance in Israel as a sign to the nation. Now, the fig tree was a common place for prayer, especially for young rabbinic, did I say that properly? Rabbinic students, which Nathaniel may well have been. He probably was. And so it was a place of prayers where people would have gone. They would have sat, I guess, in the shade underneath the fig tree, and it was a place of prayer. So the chances are, chances are, this is not, this is what happened. We can ask him when we get to heaven. Chances are that he was in prayer underneath the fig tree. And the final piece of this puzzle involves the first century rabbis teaching on prayer was this, that a person praying in their prayers would be prayerful for the Messiah to come. And if part of their prayers did not consist of that, then it was no prayer at all. So it was important in that time for these rabbinic students as they're deep in prayer that they would be praying for the Messiah to come. And again, it just further amplifies this expectancy on the part of Nathaniel. He was open to knowing the person of Jesus. As we look at this and we understand this and we unpack this, there's the word saw. Jesus saw with his own eyes as he walked by, he sees Nathaniel who's sitting underneath the tree, probably in prayer. Jesus sees, and it's the key moment, I think, in the encounter. Liken it to this. A teenage girl Help me out, girls. Give me a give me give me a, a a pop dude male that we like. I've got Justin Bieber, and I think you're far classier than Justin Bieber, right? So, Rick Astley, stop it. <laughs> give us give, give us someone. I'm going with Justin Bieber. If you don't give me anyone different, who? Just go with Justin Bieber. Are you a fan? No, no, no. Just go with Justin, but I'm not a fan. Brilliant. So we've got Justin B. So liking it, so I can imagine the four of you, you've got Justin B. He's playing at the Odyssey tonight, and you've gone early. And you've gone kind of the backstage, and you're there with your Justin B. And you've, got, you've plastered some makeup on and all the rest. And you're there. And he rocks up in this big Hummer stretched limo, and he gets out. And he kind of switches his hair, and he kind of looks at Hannah. And Hannah's like, oh, he looked at me. And she goes and tells all her friends, and she sticks it on Facebook, Justin, but he looked at me. He saw me. Can I do another one? Can I do another one? Yes, <laughs> Berker's nodding his head, and I know why he's nodding his head. <laughs> he knows another silly voice is coming, and he'll record it, <laughs> and then he'll send it to me <laughs> to New Zealand. <laughs> so, let me try. So, uh, let's have a boy version. So, liken it to a Man United fan. Any Man United fans? Whoa. So, uh, so, so I liken it to the, the training ground. 
midweek, and uh, they come in their flash supercars, and then Paul Pogba kind of gets out of one of them and looks in the direction of Wee Johnny, and Wee Johnny's all excited. He's gone there with his dad. He's got the boat across, and they've gone, and he's there, and suddenly he's all excited. And Paul Pogba comes along, and he signs the autograph, signs the shirt, and has a selfie taken and all the rest, and he goes away feeling a million dollars because he paid some attention to him. He saw him. In the narrative, in the text, we see Jesus sees Nathaniel. And it's important that we understand that, that he sees us, each one of us, even the ones in the back row that come late. He sees you. I see you as well. Um, (laughs) That's really naughty, isn't it? (laughs) Unlucky. So Jesus sees you, and he singles you out, and he calls you by name, and he sees you sitting underneath the fig tree. The other thing is, again, this is speculation. I think potentially Jesus hears him as well. When Jesus tells Nathaniel he saw him under the fig tree, we can, we can imply, we can, we can suspect that he was praying. And Jesus potentially heard his prayers, heard him praying. And regardless of whether that was the situation, regardless of whether Jesus had supernatural insight and wisdom and knowledge into that situation, this definitely is true is that he hears us. He sees us and he hears us. And it often comes preceding coming into faith. Coming into faith is one of those Christian jargony things that us nonsense Christians use from time to time. Becoming a Christian, following Jesus, meeting the person. And it often comes beforehand. When I became a Christian, it was actually off the back of a lot of prayer. Wishful thinking, hopeful thinking. God, if you're really there, help me here. As a 16, 17-year-old, anxious, uptight boy, trying to find my way in life and trying to mature and grow into a young fella, I had lots of questions and lots of doubts and lots of concerns. And I was praying and praying and praying, thinking, if you're really out there, and then one day I met the person of Jesus. And in this text, potentially, Jesus not only sees him, but he hears his prayer. This is an incredible um, short passage. And Nathaniel only has three lines in the text. Okay, you can read the text, go home, read the text. Three lines. First line, Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Two, how do you know me? Three, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. My goodness, what an easy conversion. Boom, 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 you're there, in. Jesus, in a gentle rebuke, potentially says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. Hold on, hold on. You don't even know who I am you will see even greater things than these. When we first see Jesus and allow ourselves to be seen by Jesus, it's only the beginning. It's the beginning. If any of you have had the joy of falling in love with someone, 
you will remember those days when you saw the person that you loved. You saw the person that you loved. And they saw you. Isn't that amazing? And it's like they could do no wrong in your eyes. But before very long, the things that you thought were loving and endearing become irritating and annoying. Not so with Jesus. When you see, when you taste and see that the Lord is good, it only gets better and better. Likewise, in a loving relationship, the more that we see the things in that that we don't like, because of the love in the relationship, it's okay. That's in this relationship. And likewise, in our relationship with Jesus, when we allow him to see us, to see all of us, he sees what is good and he sees what is bad and he accepts us as we are. But, like we said last week, as we encounter and we see more of him, the bad bit of us changes because of him, not because of us. The more we see, the more we want. And Jesus is saying this, you ain't seen nothing yet. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is referring to the Old Testament passage where Jacob falls asleep and sees a ladder between earth and heaven with angels ascending and descending. Angels are a sign of God's presence. And Jesus, in fact, is saying through this Old Testament vision that Jacob once had, he says, that is now coming to pass, right here, right now, in your midst, in your presence. The Son of Man, who is I, doesn't say it quite like that, is the bridge between heaven and earth, and heaven coming to earth. He is the way. He is the logos of the universe, the bridge between heaven and earth. The encounter that Nathaniel has radically changed his life in that moment, in that conversation. And I know for many of us, we have encountered him in that way. But the more that we see, the more we want. And that is the way that it should be. And again, as we sort of embark on this new year, this new academic year or whatever it might be, we long to be a people of his presence. How to build or the way that we build is more important than what we build. And we need to build our lives upon his presence and knowing his presence. And the guys who are leading, would you come and uh, lead us just in a song of worship. And then we're going to pray. We're going to pray simply that. We, we long for his presence. We long to encounter him um, here in this place. Why don't we stand? And we're going to worship.